Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Melissa Smith, the managing editor of our sponsor content studio, to talk about the topics really resonating with our audience right now, including mortgage tech and strategy, non-QM products, foreclosures, and modernizing the appraisal process. Melissa, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me back on. Oh, it's great to have you. I love talking about um, some of the sponsored content that we're seeing that our audience is really reacting to. So let me ask you, you know, what do you think our audience is interested in right now as you look at the traffic and, and what things are really performing? Absolutely. So if you're a client, you've heard this from me a million times, but um, the winner is always going to be thought leadership. And uh, right now, we always like to center that thought leadership around what we see happening in the market. I think a common misconception with sponsored content is that it's wholly sponsored and just trying to um, push out like an advertisement or anything like that. But we really stress that our sponsored content provides a service to the reader. So they're walking away from anything that we publish with expanded knowledge on a topic and potential action items, anything to move forward in their fields um, rather than just a, a blatant advertisement. Um, so right now, what we're particularly seeing is obviously with the market, the way it is just strategies and tips on how to get through what we're doing, um, and what we're going through as a mortgage industry. That really makes sense to me. And I also think that, you know, we do have specific kinds of stories. We have, um, uh, product showcases and we have special reports that are very narrowed down on like, if you're looking for this kind of solution, we have a whole bunch of those same things and kind of product descriptions and, you know, what what things they can solve. And so that's that's sort of one category of information that we provide readers. But the other is really like, here's how our solutions, you know, if you're not just like, I'm looking for this kind of solution, like, here's how mortgage technology, real estate technology can really make a difference in your business. And that's a different kind of story, I think. And and we see those, um, you, you know, we see our audience very interested in that. To your point, right now, it's going to make a huge difference in their efficiencies, in how much money they make. We just did a story that, you know, IMBs lose a certain amount of money on every single loan in the second quarter. It was just like, you know, it, it harkens back to um, 2018 and before when we, we wrote these stories over a certain period of time. I think it started in 2016 about you know, the cost to originate alone was ridiculous. And it was like, it's even more ridiculous. And it's like, it's still ridiculous. And and what we see right now is that um, lenders are having to, it, it costs a lot of money to do mortgages right now, don't have a lot of volume. So this is the kind of environment where the technology that you use and the processes that you have are going to make such a huge difference, which is why, you know, um, some of these stories are doing um, you know, really well, we can see that our audience really cares. Let's talk about one of those, which is um, it's a Q&A uh, with Stavi CEO, Costa Ligris. Um, tell me about that story. Absolutely. So that one is all about mortgage tech that is making the biggest impact. Um, and obviously, like we, it, it feels like we talk about mortgage tech all the time, but it's constantly changing um, and the industry is still adopting it across the board. So there's always new information that's out there. Um, and it's always fun to be able to sit down and talk with these executives about where they see the biggest changes and where they find the biggest impacts. 
Um, specifically for Costa, he talks about delegating tasks to tech. Um, we hear a lot about stare and compare. So he is all about automating and then um, really just the added security that comes with digitizing. And then, of course, we can't have a conversation about mortgage tech without talking about Ron. Um, so make sure to check that one out because he has a lot to say about digitizing in the closing process. I love that. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that um, because we are so, you know, we talk about this and think about this every day, and we're really in touch with some of the most advanced companies on real estate and mortgage and, and all of the tech companies that really, you know, can help that advancement. That is still very surprising to me always when I have my own interaction, um, you know, when I buy a house or get an appraisal or whatever, when it's a pretty manual paper-based process. But I think still still right now, I mean, we have a very distributed mortgage system. You know, you don't, e even the biggest lenders don't have very much market share when you look at the whole ecosystem. And so you have a lot of smaller players and a lot of those smaller players are still in the beginning stages of what they're adopting and what they can do. Um, so I think that it's, you know, to us, we're like, well, doesn't everybody already do this? But, but they don't. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really like that, um, uh, Costa points out is that technology allows multiple people to work in parallel on different parts of the transaction. And that's just so key right now. I don't know how you're going to meet the time to close that you need. I, I don't know how, you know, how you can do it if it's still like, I've got this paper and it's making its way through around different people and on their desks and in files. Um, and, and that's what's going to determine how how long it takes to close this loan, especially with you know rates changing so rapidly up and down. I mean, they, they, you know, we we see them change all the time. So I think that's a really great part of automation and and overlooked by people who are like, well, of course everybody knows this. It's like, no, they don't. Um, I remember I I used to work for an ad agency. It was an it was like a Mad Men era ad agency. This was back in the day, and we had to pick up. We had to we were on one floor, and all of the paper copies of what we were editing was on a different floor. We had to, and he didn't want us to take the the owner did not want us to get in the elevator. We had to take the stairs down, and pick it up from this place and and, and take it up. And the whole time it was with an editor. No one else could see it. No one else knew where it was where it was. And I just think you know. That that's you know those that's content for an ad agency. But when you talk about a loan that's living who knows where on whose desk in in some sort of process, you can see the inefficiencies that would just be everywhere on that. Well, thank you, Sarah, for not bringing those practices to Housing Wire. <laughs> <laughs> this was also a company. I, I have to say this: where um, if if you were caught on social media during uh, work hours, you would get fired. Um, but the, the, uh, head of the company would like friend you on social media and you're like, I feel like I'm being set up. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, I learned a lot of things at that company that I didn't want to do, you know, and, and that we have not adopted. Um, let's talk about another one, um, a white paper that we're seeing people really find a lot of, uh, really valuable information in is one by candor. Tell me about that one. Absolutely. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm always going to stress thought leadership, and I really just found this one to be the pinnacle of thought leadership. It's titled Creating an Invincible Lending Strategy Refresh Amid Chaos, um, which loaded headline, but I, I want to read the subhead as well, because if we had unlimited real estate online to put the full subhead, I would. Um, and that is how to exploit the current crisis and reposition for long-term success. Uh, so... A lot there, um, but really the thesis is just 
taking the chaos that we see right now um, and how lenders can adapt um, and not only that, but thrive. Um, And so what they did to create this white paper is they conducted interviews with executives from lenders of all sizes, and they took that feedback to formulate a lot of the trends that they saw in people that were succeeding. And they really found four main themes from all of that feedback, and that was seizing opportunity in a contracted market, using data as strategy. And then this one we see a lot in our other content, and that's end-to-end process revolution. A lot of times people, um, it's tempting to make that mistake of sort of huddling in a corner and waiting it out. But the common argument we see if you want to succeed is to go ahead and drive forward with any kind of process revamps that you can, even when times are crazy. And then that fourth theme that we see is digital transformation, which um, a common theme throughout most of our uh, content right now, but definitely an important one. I think that, you know, when you click into the white paper and it says the opportunity presented by crisis, and that really speaks, I think, to what we're seeing. You know, we have a, a great vantage point because we work with so many companies in real estate, in mortgage and technology and title and appraisal. And we really do see right now, these are the kind of times where um, companies are made, companies thrive and, uh, you know, there's opportunity. Every crisis has opportunity. And this one, we see some really smart companies taking advantage of those opportunities. And, um, you know, if you talk to anybody who's been in the business through different cycles, they'll tell you, I mean, it's not during, you know, the last two years when the volume was just like drinking out of a fire hose, that's not necessarily the time that you're going to have to really look at your process or, or make sure your technology is up to, you're just trying to keep up. This is the time to really, you know, take a step back and, and, um, and evaluate, but not take a step back in the sense of like, but go ahead and, and really seize the opportunity. So I, I thought that was a really interesting white paper and, and had some really interesting data and um, analysis in there. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, one uh, topic that has been uh, wild on the, on the news side is just a non-QM. You know, we've really seen, you know, you think about this is an unusual time and this is a, a place to seize opportunity. Non-QM is very popular um, as an idea right now and as a, you know, the, the products of non-QM because, you know, you can just reach a different uh, group of home buyers. So maybe, you know, you, a lot of the home buyers that you would typically have, they're, they're, uh, they're settling in with their really nice, low uh, interest rate, not interested in something else. And then you have a whole other group of people who are still interested and maybe they're the um, non-W2, they might be self-employed, they might be gig workers, whatever. And so we've really seen um, non-QM really come up as something that our audience is interested in and many of the companies um, are looking to do. And, you know, we have several companies who have been doing this for a long time. Angel Oak is one of them. So, you know, one of the things that I looked at was, you know, they published steps to win with non-QM for a strong second half. And they had they had five five steps that I thought were really great. Here they are. It's like, um, you know, staying top of mind in social media, the importance of consistent networking, finding your niche within non-QM programs, because there's a lot there, but you kind of really want to specialize, right? Um, choosing the right non-QM lender. And I know Angel Oak would be like, that's us. <laughs> we have, you know, there's there's several non-QM lenders. Um, and then establishing a personal brand. And I think that's really, um, those are really interesting and helpful things. 
And especially if you're looking to the second half of 2022, which we know is going to be a pretty challenging, um, you know, we're already in it. It's going to be a pretty challenging environment. Um, And so I think that that was really interesting. Non-QM has been red hot this whole year as people look away from, you know, again, the easy, low-hanging fruit volume of the last couple of years. This is is an area people are really interested in finding out more about. From a reader perspective, you know, another part of the content solutions team is that we're constantly looking at the metrics. And from a reader perspective, anytime we publish anything related to non-QM, it does take off with our readers. So I know there's been some ups and downs this year regarding non-QM, but it's definitely a topic of interest. And we've got more from Angel Oak and um, other non-QM clients like ACRA coming soon. I love it. Yeah. Uh, another um, another story on our side is why non-QM lending is not going away. So uh, I think that that's a, a really interesting. You know, another topic that I would say is top of mind right now is um, we're having the foreclosure. Um, people feel like there might be a ton of foreclosures coming. We do have forbearance programs, which lasted a long time, years, right, coming to an end. And so then you you have the pent-up uh, number of houses that were going to be foreclosed anyway, even before COVID, and then all of that, you know, pent-up demand, and then, you know, maybe people coming having trouble within the recession. So we see that there are very, people are very interested in like, okay, what is that um, distressed um, inventory look like? What are those foreclosed? Even if they're not distressed, they're foreclosed, um, inventory look like? So I would love to talk to you about that. What do we have on the site about that? Yes, we have a an article from auction.com. It's titled, How Auction Buyer Data Foreshadows the Housing Market Shifts. Um, and this one was super interesting um, because basically it talked about how the slowdown, and I use the word slowdown lightly, but the real estate slowdown um, that we've seen uh, particularly in the month of June, I know Redfin said that the median asking price for newly listed homes dropped about 1.5%. Um, so again, using slowdown lightly, but um, the article talked about how real estate investors kind of foresaw that slowdown as early as March based off of what they were seeing on foreclosure auction. Um, so the article goes in and talks to different real estate investors who have been around the block and They even go as far as comparing and contrasting what we're seeing now to 2008. I will give a spoiler alert. Um, It's nothing close. (laughs) Um, They do. They they make a point to say that we're not going to see anything to the scale of that. But it's interesting to see how different facets of the market can predict what we're seeing overall. Um, And the article, as always, from auction.com, we have a lot of great heat maps and charts um, that really do a great job of illustrating everything that we've seen so far. I do think that auction.com is such a great source for for that kind of thing. And, you know, listeners of this podcast, um, tomorrow we'll hear uh, Logan Motoshami, who has created his new term for closure fanatics. So, um, you know, there there are those people who are just like, this is a tidal wave coming. And, and that's not really what the data shows. And, you know, um, a company like auction.com, who, who really tracks this would, you know, again, to your point, it's not uh, 2008, but there is an uptick. There's definitely some pent up demand there. So it's it's an it's a sector we want to watch, and that I know that our audience is really interested. And in. I hate to I hate to say um, coming soon again, but we do have more from auction.com. Uh, you actually will be having a conversation with them soon for a sponsored video. So excited to see um, what y'all talk about there. 
I'm excited about that as well. And uh, Melissa, do you have any, you know, catchphrases that you want to um, compete with Logan on there? Do you have any, you know, uh, things you're going to start calling people? Oh, no, I could never beat savagely unhealthy <laughs> market. <laughs> I swear, I, ha- I have a, I joke about that there's a Logan Motoshami bingo card for his different, um, you know, catchphrases, but uh, they really do. They catch on with people. So uh, <laughs> we'll do that. Um you know, another big story. So I just wrote my, I write the appraised value newsletter for people in the appraisal space, um, that part of our audience. And, you know, one of our, um, one of our stories right now on the site is about the fact that um, another, uh, an appraisal firm um, and Loan Depot were sued by a black couple for appraisal bias. And this has been an ongoing story for the last couple of years. And we know that the Biden administration is very interested in stamping out appraisal bias and, and figuring it out. They have an interagency task force. And I think that appraisal companies, whether they're um, individual appraisers, if they're AMCs, if they're lenders using those, I mean, everybody kind of wants to figure out what are some of the things involved in this. At the same time, we have a federal action to allow desktop appraisals and hybrid appraisals in a way that is pretty unprecedented. So there's a lot going on in appraisals and there's a lot of both um, value there, but also risk in, in the way that people are, are valuing property right now. So tell me what we have on the site um, specifically about appraisals. Yeah, we have a, an executive conversation, which is our fun way of saying Q&A. Um, with ServiceLink, we talked with Erin Reed. She's the Vice President of Operations at ServiceLink. And we talked about why now is the time for lenders to modernize their appraisal process. Um, so a key highlight of hers is really just reducing cycle times. Um, and especially now as lenders are deep in competition, um, anything that can set them apart is vastly important right now. So reducing those cycle times um, bettering the borrower experience are all um, key things that she highlights in terms of what you can benefit from modernizing your appraisal process. And that phrase modernizing appraisals really means different things to different people. I mean, we would say, you know, I think it's the equivalent of the digital mortgage process, right? It, it's like we're, we're, we're systematizing things, we're automating things, we're making them repeatable, we're making them um, easier, faster, hopefully. Um, and so I think, you know, but but those are that's the term that the um, regulators use is the appraisal modernization, and they can mean a lot of things by that. But it's basically like change is coming, change is here for the appraisal industry and and for those involved in appraisals. And so, um, understanding what the technology can do to help you in that modernization is is really key. Absolutely. Well, we have so many interesting topics here. I know this is just, we just picked out five topics, but there, I mean, there's a ton. When you and I were going through this, it's like, there's so much on the site. Um, We have some great tech solutions and tech solution providers. Um, So if people are looking for that kind of information, um, and really we we love offering that kind of information because this is what we know is going to make a difference in this market. Um, you, You had several things where you're like, stay tuned for this. Is there anything else coming up that we should be watching for? Oh, so much. I mean, I, I'm going to hop on the events train and always plug Housing Wire Annual. It's coming up and we do have um, a sponsored podcast coming out of that with UWM. So excited about that. Yes. Housing Wire Annual is October 3rd through 5th. It's in Scottsdale, Arizona this year. We're really excited. It's at a it's at a resort location. We have amazing content. We also will have sponsors and um, different 
product demonstrations there, uh, along with the content, along with great ne- networking opportunities. So, so glad you brought that up, Melissa. Appreciate that. Um, and thanks for being on today and giving us some some hints about what's um, what our audience is really looking at on our site. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.